0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. I'm excited today. I'm happy today. You asked, why are you happy? Well, the truth is, I don't, I don't, I've kind of reflected on my life here lately, and I don't really get, um, um, uh, discouraged a lot. I mean, I, I get discouraged some, but my discouragement usually is pretty short-lived. And so, I was processing, wh- how is that possible? Why, why don't I get really discouraged and stay discouraged for a long time? Now, now I, I'm not to say that that won't ever happen, but just the best I can think of, I, I, I think there are a couple of reasons. One... And I, and I think these actually, I could demonstrate them scripturally to you. But one, um, there's always a song in my heart. When you sing, it does something to your mood. And it does something to the way you think. And there's a song about everything. In fact, I, I think I oversing Because I am constantly hearing, Jeff, be quiet! Constantly. And, and I'm like, oh, was I singing that out loud? Right? Anybody else have that problem besides me? I mean, it's just, it's a song in your heart. And so it just, and there's a, everything you say, there's a song that connects to it. Like, when Kevin's speaking on Sunday morning, my, my brain is firing a thousand different songs a minute of every single phrase. Like, how many of y'all saying What's Love Got to Do With It? Oh, Cindy, Cindy, they, I mean, it's just the way it works. So that's one reason I think um, I don't get, like, discouraged majorly, because there's a song, and, and I try to keep a song, The second thing is that um, I I, I try to keep a perspective about stuff. I think I'm old enough now, I'm 47, and I realize that what happens today usually isn't a life-altering, eternal thing. I mean, sometimes they are, but really things that happen, I mean, if, if we can put them in perspective and realize that, you know, it's not necessarily as big as it seems... That kind of helps. You know, perspective is taking a step back and taking a 10,000 foot view. Um, Another thing is that I am insanely curious. And I, and I, I guess I've always been curious, but I've become super aggressively curious. And if you'll follow me here with the logic, a lot of discouragement comes from relational difficulties. Would you agree with that? That if, if, if we didn't have to deal with people, we probably wouldn't get discouraged, hardly any, right? Because relationships are the most important part of life, and so when relationships are tense and there's something going on there, um, that causes or can cause discouragement. So I realize that I'm incredibly curious, and here's something that I didn't ever put the two together, but I think it's true. Did you know that you cannot be offended by someone if you are curious? Did you know that? Here's how it works. If you say something to me I'm, I'm, uh, that, that's offensive, I can respond one of two different ways. Hopefully, I won't react. Hopefully, I'll respond. I can respond by taking what you say at face value and making my own story and then saying, okay, I'm offended. Or, I can be curious. And I can think to myself, what is it that caused them to say that? What, what did they deal with in their life that might cause them to look at things that way? Is it possible that maybe I did something that came across the wrong way or I did something that was mean? See, when you're curious, it, it, it triggers a different part of your brain and you don't have time to be offended because you're actually thinking about, okay, why is this the case? Is that amazing? When I heard that, I was like, poof mind-blown but it's true if you're curious and you stay curious it will be hard to be offended and it will be hard to be discouraged why because you're always trying to figure out man tell me why tell me how tell me when but here's the fourth thing and, and this leads into the message open your Bibles if you will to John chapter 9 the fourth thing I've discovered about myself is that I love stories I love, 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 love stories. When I say I love them, I mean, I I would rather have nothing else than, I I would rather have nothing more than I'd like a story about what God is doing in somebody's life. In fact, the old preacher joke is this. Never, uh, preacher, and I actually know guys who who have said this out loud and they meant it. They said to their staff, do not ever accept my resignation on a Monday or a Tuesday. Because it, it is a common joke among preacher friends that Monday is the day that preachers resign. Because Sundays oftentimes are so discouraging for, so, for a bunch of different reasons. But on Monday, it's like this, this dreadful wait for so many guys. I can honestly tell you that I don't often have Mondays like that. I, I just don't. Can I tell you why though? Because one story overcomes every bad thing that could happen on that day because perspective says that if God is doing something in one person then it is worth it and so when I get a text from you or I get a call from you or I hear somebody else telling somebody else about something that God is doing inside of my heart outside it's kind of tame I know it doesn't look like it but, some, but but inside I'm just like yeah! I mean I'm just I'm just so I'm jumping and I'm but I'm yelling why? because God is at work Do you know that God is always at work? Turn to the person next to you and say, Do you know that God is always at work? He is. He is always at work. He is always doing something good. He is always about the business of drawing people to himself. And here's the best part of it: He's always at work and He is always inviting us to be a part of His work. It's like, are you kidding me? I get to do something? That brings Jesus glory? Yeah! Right? I mean, this is my inner, inner self coming out here. It's, just, it's this privilege that God invites us to join Him in something that is not just temporary, but something that is eternal, which means forever and ever and ever. Do you know that the most powerful thing that you have in your arsenal of life is your story? Your story. Some of you might say, well, yeah, but my story is not very interesting. Well, I'll get to that later, but just believe me when I tell you it is not only interesting, but it's important. Your story is interesting, your story is important, and your story is powerful. I believe so strongly in story, in your story, that we named this church Story Point Church. That's the reason. Because your story is simply a small microcosm of a much grander eternal story. It's the story of God. His story is God's story. And for for a couple thousand years, God's had been telling the story and then, there you are. And there you will go. And it's possible that nobody will remember any of our names a hundred years from now. Not only possible, it's possible probably probable, right? But guess what? You have this moment in time, you have this place in eternity that God has put you on this earth and the Bible tells us that He determines the times and the seasons for each one of us and so He has placed us where we are, how we are and He's right now saying, look, I'm telling my eternal story through you and 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 through you. you, And that ought to make us say, wow. So, how can we be discouraged? Very often anyways, if we know that God is doing such a marvelous work. Well, the discouragement often comes because we're not seeing the results. Oh, there's so many ways I want to go right now. Just so so many rabbits I want to chase. I will not do so. John chapter 9. I, but, but let me give you this little gem of, of information that, that I, I may have told you last week. If I did, then just let me tell you again. I discovered a YouTube channel called Hook. Hook. And on this channel, the guide tells stories of people how they made it in business like the story of uh, uh, Dave who does the Wendy's Burgers. He tells the story of of, uh, Truett Cassie. He tells the story of how five guys came to be. And you know the common thread of every single one of these stories? every single one of them, there was failure, after failure, after failure, after nobody believing, after not having enough money, after almost declaring bankruptcy, to declaring bankruptcy, to kitchens catching on fire, and there was this drive inside of each one of these people that said, I believe I'm supposed to do this, and all the way to the end of the story, it's like, I'm glad I did what I did. And so when I listen to those stories, it reminds me of how God is always at work. John chapter 9. Let me tell you about telling stories. Chapter 9, verse 1. As he went along, this is Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes." Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam, which word, this word means sent. And so the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. And others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, no, really, truly, seriously, I am the man. I added that first part. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And so I went, I washed, then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Let's pause right here for a moment. So Jesus was going along with the disciples and Jesus noticed a man who was born blind. Now, this is the first instance in the only instance where a man was blind and is now, was, was about to be given a sight. Now, excuse me, no, a man was born blind and given a sight. Every other time, the, the, the people that got their sight, they had become blind. But this one, specifically, he was born blind. There was some defect, there was some situation that happened and he was blind all of his life. Which means he did not have any frame of reference for seeing. That was totally foreign to him. All he knew was darkness. Jesus noticed him and his disciples must have noticed that he was noticing them because the disciples asked the question, Hey Jesus, tell us who sinned This man or was it his parents that he would be born blind? Now why would they ask this question? Because there was a theological belief from, for the, for the Judea, uh, in Judaism that said that all physical illness came from some sort of sin. And so they were asking a logical question from their own uh, previously taught beliefs that this guy or his parents must have done something wrong to cause him to not be able to see. And, And the thing that I love about this is Jesus is teaching a lot of different spiritual truths through this one man's life. The first truth that he was teaching was this. Not everything that happens in you or to you is the result of you sinning. Now ultimately all sickness is the result of sin in a general sense, right? When God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, every time he created something he said what? It is good. It is perfect. There's nothing broken. There's no sin. There's no death. There's no sickness. Everything is perfectly whole. When sin entered into the world, we, we, we began living in a world that had a, a corruption, if you will, or a brokenness. And so, ultimately, the only re- the reason we have sickness is because we live in a fallen world. However, it is not theologically accurate, it is not correct according to the scripture that whatever situation you're in is because you did something wrong to cause it. Now, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes I have a sickness because of sin. If I am promiscuous and I, I, and I get a, an STD, that is a, a direct result of some sin. But it's possible that I could have a sickness that, that normally comes from that that i didn 't sin, I got a blood transfusion, or see what i 'm saying, so sometimes sickness is a result of it, but it 's not always and so this, this, the disciples were saying, "Can you tell us why can you Can you tell us what was going on here? The thing that 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 I want to share with you today is this, and this this is a little bit of a side note, but I think it 's important for somebody in here maybe just for all of us, is that so many times we spend our days asking God why. We spend a lot of energy asking God, God, why? Why? Why is this? Why is that? When that's not, a, that's not an unfair question. That's not a bad question. But a better question, I think, is instead of asking God why, ask Him how. Because at the end of the day, the why doesn't really matter. All why wants is blame. I just need a reason, I need somebody to, I need to, to be able to blame something or someone to make sense of it. No, no, you don't. No I don't. What I really need is, how? How what? How God will you use this to your glory? See that's actually changing our focus from the problem to the healer. That's changing the focus from something that is death to something that is, or to someone who is life. Amen? So, if you find yourself in that situation, either now or at another time, and you're asking, and you're consumed with the why, just stop yourself and say, okay, God may or may not give me a why, but He will give me a how. How, O Lord, will you use this to your own glory? Jesus said, this man doesn't have this sickness because of his parents' sin or because of his sin. He has this sickness because God is going to do something marvelous in his life. It's going to display the glory of God. And herein lies the power of your story. Your story is about God displaying His power through your life. That is your story. He's displaying His power through your life. And you say, "Well, well, what if I don't want to? Well, I mean, I, I, I guess you can, you, can, you can kick against that, but why would you want to, though? Imagine it this way. God is looking through all of the people on earth, and He says, you know what? I choose to help... I choose to give you a story that is going to help people have an eternal condition of hope. Would you trade... Whatever pain you're going through if you knew that it would give somebody else life. Let me ask you differently. If one of your family members had failing kidneys and they were constantly on dialysis and the doctor said you are a direct match, would you go under the knife and give a kidney for your family member to have a a kidney? To have life? Yeah, you would. Would you do it for a stranger? You know what? People do, and I'd imagine that if faced with that decision face to face, most of us would probably even say, I'm willing to sacrifice a kidney so that this person can live. That's no different than the eternal view of it, is it? I'm not saying that we sign up for struggle and pain and all those things, and I'm not even saying that God causes those things, but I'm saying that God can work all things together for the good for His own glory, for those who trust Him and who love Him. And I can promise you this, I would rather walk in faith knowing that even though I don't know why, I know that God has a how, knowing that there's hope at the end of that tunnel, than walking through just struggling and fighting and complaining and griping and wishing and all those other things, right? So all of that leads us to the point of where Jesus is face to face with this blind man who was blind from birth. And it's a strange situation now because I I, I suspect the man is standing, he might have a pole or a staff or he's holding on to a wall, maybe he's sitting on the ground, he's not lame so he's probably standing. And he probably has some sort of a little cup or has a, has, has a, 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 a piece of cloth or something to, to hold his change. Because that's what they did. If, he did. if he was blind, he couldn't have a job. And if he couldn't have a job, he couldn't afford food. And so he was not only desperate, but he was an outcast. He was uh, one who could not go into the temple. I mean, he, he, was, he was a person who had uh, things that were, were, were serious issues, both physically and emotionally and, and spiritually. And Jesus reaches down and he hawks a loogie. That's what he does. I mean, think about it. He makes mud. I mean, just, just process this. You can't make mud unless, with your saliva and the dirt unless you have a lot of saliva, right? I mean, I'm just imagining you... I mean, I just, I'm, I'm picturing this humorous event and the disciples are going... Right? But anyways, he spits on the ground and he, he makes a mud cake, a mud pie, right? He goes, hey dude, yeah, yeah? <laughs> and I, and I, I'm, 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 why? We don't know why. We, we have no idea why Jesus spit in the dirt. It's not the first time he did it, but he spit in the dirt, made a mud pie, chunked it in the dude's eyes. Then he goes... Now go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Now this was a cool pool. A cool pool. This was a this was a a, 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 a a thing of water that actually came from the Kidron Valley and it was built when Hezekiah was king. There was a, an army invading the, 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 the city of Jerusalem and so Hezekiah said they're going to try to cut off our water so we're going to dig a tunnel under the earth from the, the, the river in, in the Kidron and we're, and we're going to dig it all the way through and we're going to have an endless supply of water so we can withstand the bombardment of this enemy um, uh, uh, this, this enemy against God. Now let's just take a step back and, and, and see this for a moment. Hezekiah did something part of Hezekiah's story lasted hundreds and hundreds of years later that impacted this blind man from births story. I think this is what's so incredible about stories is your story is not your story because you started from nothing. Your story is your story because somebody else had a story because somebody else had a story because somebody else had a story story. and there's a chain of custody all the way down to your life. That's true. Nobody is who they are out of the blue, without any influence from anyone, anywhere. Every one of us is who we are because somebody else's story existed. And you and I, we're just a piece of the puzzle. But not just a piece of the puzzle. We're an important piece of the puzzle. Because God doesn't make mistakes. And so, this man gets the words from Jesus, go to the pool, wash your face. He's like, okay. Now, why he does the mud, I don't know. Some believe that it's a reference back to Genesis 1 and 2 where uh, the Bible tells us that, man, that God made um, man from the dust to the ground. And some people say, well, he's tying himself back to the, uh, to the creation story. But, and it might have been just because now the man has to go wash because he's got this mud loogie inside of his eyes, right? Or it could have been that he was just doing it because to, to, he had to spit. I don't know. It could, could have been anything, but the result's still the same. He goes to the pool, he washes, and oh, what would it have been like to be there? This is a guy did not know colors. He did not know the, 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 the view of what the sky looked like. He, didn't, he, he felt the sun, but he'd never seen the sun. Not Jesus' sun, but the actual sun. He actually could see wind pushing the trees when all before he could only feel it and hear it. He just got one of his senses that he had never experienced before, and I promise you it would have been overload and joy extreme. You know, the older I get, the more I realize that my eyesight is so important. How many of y'all can identify with that, right? Man, oh man, oh man. I used to be able to see things like way before. I I literally had eagle eyes. When we go dove hunting, I was usually a young guy in the field like, look at the birds. They're like, where? Right over there. Where? And they're right there. It's about like two miles away and I could see them. I mean, I was just, now I go hunting with Josh and he's like, look at the birds. I'm like... Yeah, look at those. (laughs) He's like, you see them? Yeah, lots of them. What kind are they? (laughs) Now he's like, dad, look at the redfish over there. I'm like, okay, drive the boat because I can't see what you're talking about. I mean, I just, I can't see. It's one of those things that when you have it and you lose it, you really wish you had it. But imagine never having it and getting it. It's a whole new world. I mean, really, it's, it's incredible. See, there was a change. And here's what I want to say to you. When Jesus does something in your life, there is a change. If, if your testimony is, my life is no different now than when I came to know Christ, you really ought to check to see whether or not you're truly born again. Because Jesus never walks into a room and doesn't change something. Never. Because He is light. Jesus said, He said, I am the light of the world, right? Light dispels darkness. When Jesus is in you, darkness flees. And when Jesus is Lord of your life, even the things that looked okay, you realize they got to go, right? And so your story is a collection of stories about how Jesus Christ changed you. Now, some of you have these radical conversion stories. I used to get jealous of these people, honestly. When I was a teenager, we'd we'd go to church and we'd have these guys come in and speak. And a guy would be like, yeah, man, I was a gangbanger. Man, I was part of the Crips or the Bloods. Man, I was so bad, I I I was both of them at the same time. Right? Man, I used to shoot people. Man, I'd pop a cap in you. I mean, they they they'd be like these these guys that had these stories about how they had bullet holes in them and they were sh- they were put into the emergency room and they told the doctor with the Glock 45, you don't save me, I'm a ta-. I mean, the, and, and then Jesus saved me and now look at me, I'm a preacher. I mean, and I used to look at these and go, Well, I I was born and I went to church. Um and, and one, one time in in elementary school I, I stole a bag of popcorn i mean i'm I'm looking at my life and I'm going man i I was not I wasn't like a satanist i mean i i never I never snorted anything, drank nothing shot nothing. i mean i I mean the worst I could do is I could say I used to shoot uh, lizards with my BB gun you know I, I guess I should be Guilty of that, I I was good at it too, man. We live in South Florida, Miami. Man, lizards were like a dime a dozen. I know, I know. But they'd be running across the hardwood fence and I'd just be picking them off like a sniper. Right, he didn't need to know that. But it's funny because I usually peg them to the fence and they just hang there. So at the end of the day, we'd have like a dozen lizards all over the fence. I mean, evil heart, right? But my story wasn't anything big. But you know what? I was still lost. I was, good en- I was just good enough that I didn't really realize that I was bad enough. You know, some of you have that same story. And right now you're like, man, I just don't have a good story. Yes, you do. Because your story is, you led, you led a life that was relatively insulated, rel- relatively calm, and you still needed a savior because as good as you were, you still weren't good enough to be made right with God. It was still, there was still a need for you to accept the grace of God. That's a good story. When I finally realized that my story, as sanitized as it was, was actually powerful, it changed everything for me. If you have one of those other stories, basically you have a whole lot more pain than I experienced. And by the way, don't ever wish for one of those stories. Amen? If you've been spared the pain of a of a a story that is like that, trust me, that's not something that you should wish that you have. And every person that has that story will tell you the same thing. Because there's great loss in it. This man could see and his neighbor said isn't this the guy who was born blind? isn't this the guy who, who begged at the gate? isn't this the guy? this can't be the guy and finally he was a little irritated he goes I am the guy I'm the guy could you imagine him seeing his face for the first time if you're born blind you don't know what you look like every night you're like I'm handsome, and then you look at yourself in a in a piece of metal, and when you can finally see, and like, Ew! what's even worse? Imagine marrying somebody, and then being able to see. There's a 50-50 chance you married somebody ugly. I mean, think about it. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to go too far, but could you imagine if you're a, if you're a dad with a daughter who was ugly? And you're like, I'm never going to marry this girl off. I know, Billy's blind. <laughs> That's terrible, isn't it? But think about it, these are real things. The, the neighbors were saying, how is it that you see? And here's his response. I don't understand it. I was born blind. I was had a, a, a spit bomb in my eyes. I washed my face. I could see. That's all I know. Here's what's really cool about this story. In verse uh, 12, they said, Where is this man? You know what his answer was? I don't know. He said, Well, how's that possible? Because he never saw him. He never saw him. All he knew was was what he heard. He didn't know what he looked like. He didn't know how tall he was, how small he was, nothing. And the really great part about this is, in this moment, the story of God in his life was powerful and he was evangelizing as a lost person. Let that sink in. God was using a lost, formerly blind man to declare the story of the gospel, he told his neighbors and his friends, and then the next few verses, he, he's, he's pulled before the Pharisees, and the Pharisees start to grill him. It, it, actually, they first the Pharisees bring his parents in, say, "Hey, you're the parents. Tell us." And his parents were afraid of what was going to happen. They go, "He's old enough. Ask him." So they bring him in and they start to grill him. How can this be possible? How did it happen? And he finally kind of irritated says, look, all I can tell you is I was blind, he spit in my eyes, I washed, I was healed. That's what I got. They were like, well, certainly he couldn't do this. And his response was, see, he was growing faith in this point. Their accusations of him were actually building his own faith because he knew what had happened. He knew that the man that he met was powerful. He just didn't know who exactly he was. Verse 35 is cool. Because in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. (laughs) They threw the man out of the the temple. Threw him out. You want to know why? Why? He violated a religious... He didn't violate, but a religious rule of the Sabbath was violated and he was a part of it. They threw him out. They just couldn't handle it. Jesus found the man and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Verse 36, Who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you now. Man, man, oh man, oh man. See, here's what happens. When you and I tell the story of God, we are, simply exp- we, we are simply expressing in the most common way known to man. Stories existed before writing existed. Before there was ever pen and paper, there were stories. In fact, history proves that many, many, many cultures were oral cultures only. The way that these cultures expressed information and passed on their legacy was through the stories. And so, this story is told, and as the story is told, people hear bits and parts and pieces. And I might tell a story to you today, and then she might tell a story to you tomorrow, and then he might tell a story to you the next day, and at some point down the road, it very well might click. And you say, wow, God is at work in my life. See, this is what I'm trying to say. You don't have to worry about closing the deal, so to speak, when it comes to someone's eternity. It's not to say that you shouldn't try to help them understand as much as possible, but sometimes just causing someone to be hungry is what God's purpose for you is, because then they're going to go find a table to sit down and eat at. Amen? So why be afraid to share a story when it's not your responsibility to win anybody, it's just your responsibility to tell of what God has done? What kind of stories? tell stories about how God has done something in your life that has made a difference. Oh and by the way let me remind you, a story of a scar is far more powerful than a story of a trophy. Far more powerful. Does that make sense? So times that you have failed, that story is is often more powerful than time, than times that you succeeded because anybody can bless god when things are great blessing god when things are not so great that's another story so i don't get discouraged often why because because i get to hear your stories my entire purpose here well, maybe not entire but one of the one of the, the most one of the most uh, important things that i get to do that i'm called to do is to help you tell your story because your story is not about you, it's about God and it's fun oh it's so fun, so 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 fun um, so yeah what will you do with it I'll tell you something I heard this morning uh, I was over at First Baptist and before we started, the guy said, hey I'm going to tell you what I started doing this week because of that whole thousand souls thing he said, uh, usually when I get spam calls, telemarketers, I'm like, click. I send them straight to wherever telemarketers go when I hang up. I mean, it's like, I'm hoping it's something bad, right? He said, I just started answering the phone. Hello? Hey, sir, can I tell you about sudden, sudden, such and such, such, such? He goes, yeah, that'd be great, but can I tell you about Jesus? <laughs> How cool is that? I'm like, you are a brilliant man they're calling to ask you for time to talk to you and you say yes I'll talk to you but I want you to hear my story as well what are they gonna do hang up maybe so and then if that's the case you got what you wanted anyways but if not you get a chance to share the gospel as an international missionary because you know that these guys are based in like Bangladesh and Taiwan I mean how cool is this and let me tell you something a lot of these guys have not ever heard the name of Jesus. I think the point is this. Jesus said, while it is day, we work because there's coming a time when it's night and we won't be able to work. There's a sense of urgency there. Urgency is what causes us to say, today is a day that I'm going to use for the kingdom of God. So do it. Amen? You got a story. Tell it. Say, well, I don't know how. Just start talking. Literally just start talking. Everybody loves a story. Everybody. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would help us to um, recognize the power of your story. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be uh, always aware of the situations that we're in and always, always looking for that opportunity. Never to manipulate, never to... Uh, to do a bait and switch. Lord, let there always be integrity and honesty in our conversation. But may we never be ashamed to talk about what you've done in our life. Because Lord, we know that that is how you move in people's lives. So help us to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. It is by grace that you're saved through faith, not of works, so that none of us can boast. If you're here today and you've not ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. There's coming a day where God is going to ask you one question. What have you done with my son? Because the Bible says he who has the son has life, and he who does not have the son does not have life. That means what you do with Jesus now affects not only now, but all of eternity. If you reject Jesus, regardless of the reason, the Bible says that He will reject you. And He won't do so with a happy heart. He'll do so with a broken heart because He's come not that you might have judgment, but that you might have life. But He won't force you to trust Him. He will offer Himself and all the work for, the, for the, the resolution of your sin has already been done. It was done on a cross by Him when He gave His life. But your faith is your part. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. So this morning, what are you waiting for? Today is the day of salvation. What are you waiting for if you know Christ, but you're just not, not talking about it? Why not? join the party I mean that there's life to be lived and there's no greater life than when you're telling God's story let's stand together and sing this is a a time for you to make a commitment either where you are in your hearts uh, or like Melissa and Aaron did you can come and stand there and I can have my eyes closed and not recognize you until the end I'm going to try to keep my eyes open from now on you just respond to God will you